Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Yes, departing Sanctuary with a shuttly assembled war party on a mission to fight the forces of hell itself before returning alone moments later through a town portal. This is the Discerning Gamer <laughs> Podcast. I am your host, Joel JB Fury Beauchene, and with us this week, as always, are the DG crew, starting with the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam. While playing Red Dead Redemption 2, he stumbled upon a small cabin northwest of St. Denis, where a hillbilly was waiting in a shack to sodomize Arthur Morgan. Moments after meeting the Sultan of Steam, the hillbilly was running bow-legged and screaming into the woods. It's, of course, Fergus Fergamon <laughs> Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Fergus. Oh, JB, how are you, mate? Much better than uh, old mate uh, Hillbilly from the sounds of it. Uh, he never lifts, left so quick. Yes, uh, but uh, thoroughly satisfied. <laughs> uh, also with us this week, uh, we've got the gaming chef, the Earl of Emotional Damage. He'll happily play Mario Kart as White Gold Drybones Bullet Bill Baby Bowser but just don't ask him to drive as Waluigi. It's Simon Steely McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Steely. Ah, thank you so much, JB. Yeah, I never drive as Waluigi because um, I, uh, I'm i too sad, too scared that I'll hear the whole time the sound of the oh, wah <laughs> as I'm driving. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, I was, yeah, well, there you go. Yes. Scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, with us, the Nintendo Queen, oh, Pistol Pisty Pete, the Pist. He'll happily toil away the hours with Shojiro Sakura in the Cafe LeBlanc, stating, "As long as I'm here, the world leaves me be. No annoyances or troublesome people to deal with. It's like my own personal hideaway." It's none other than Casey C. Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, C. Mac. Thanks, Joel. It sounds like heaven. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly does. <laughs> and uh, what a week it's been in gaming news. So to kick things off this week, I thought I would uh, talk about a little trailer that dropped during the week for a new game called Sherlock Holmes The Awakened. Now, did anyone else in the DG crew see this one? Not I, JB. Uh, I, I heard I looked at a small bit of it for one second. And that was it. That's all I saw of it. Well, <laughs> uh, just uh, strap yourselves in because I think uh, I've got a, I've got a bit of bit of something for you here. So. This game is what appears on the surface to be like an open world Sherlock Holmes game where Sherlock Holmes is sort of 
at some points in time, like walking around in the real world, investigating cases, collecting clues, and and you know, sort of piecing all of that together. And then, alternatively, he's like he'll he'll sort of like trip out and then wake wake up in like a like a horror sort of um, dream type Ooh. thing where he's walking through and it's it becomes like a like a horror sort of adventure for him so let me let me just uh, read you the little snippet so in this sherlock meets cthulhu horror adventure a young sherlock holmes and john watson undertake a chilling and psych shattering case that will forever bond and scar the duo an eldritch god-obsessed cult is making moves in the shadows to bring about a world-altering prophecy and it's up to the young detective duo to thwart their plans. This is a creative take on what horror-filled and reality-breaking events could have met our heroes at such a crucial point in their lives to go on and shape them into the characters we all know they become. Delve into the trauma and fear that cements their friendship for good and the revelations that break Sherlock's mind to create the flawed and haunted genius he is destined to be. Uh, originally released in 20, 2006, The Awakened is a full remake and substantial rewrite mm. being rebuilt <clears throat> and redesigned from the ground up to run in Unreal Engine 4. Uh, and it's going to launch on PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and PC. We wow. are on the 11th of April. So mm. what do we think about that? I've actually never played any of the Sherlock Holmes video games to date. I don't know if anyone else has had any experience playing them. I love Sherlock Holmes and the movies were great and the whole idea about it. Um, yeah, but I've never actually played them. So I don't know about you, Steely and C-Mac, whether you've got any experience with this franchise. No, I've got about as much experience with Sherlock Holmes games as I do as being a detective, which is fuck all. <laughs> None of it. But um, I love Sherlock Holmes, and this sounds like a really, really, really good um, premise for a game. I actually like the sound of that. Uh, what did the uh, 2006 game get? How did that get received back in the day? Do you know? Well, that's uh, that's a great question, and I know uh, Ferg across from me right now is in the process of looking that up. But... <laughs> right. <clears throat> so, if you want the answer to that question, according to the Wikipedia page, a meta score of seventy-two out of a hundred. Yeah, that's not great. So, Ooh, um, okay, it's yeah, not that good. <laughs> it's good, not great, not horrible, and I'm just looking through the wiki page as i just said and here's an interesting one a fun fact so this game came out on playstation 4 back in 2007 it's been remastered in 2023 and released on sorry what did i say it came out on playstation 4 in 2007 and it's been remastered and re-released on the playstation 4 in 2023 how does how well (laughs) It's interesting. Hang on, that, is that make hang sense. on, that doesn't Why? make sense. It no, it must have been the PlayStation Four in two thousand seven. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting confused uh, here. Hang on, PlayStation Four didn't launch until twenty thirteen. So yeah, I'm, I've got my information. I was say, uh, mixed the discerning up. gamer podcast going back in time <laughs> and fucking it. Look, <laughs> if you want all the accurate news that's breaking, come to the discerning gamer. Just don't listen to me. Look it up so yourself. it must have been PlayStation Three. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
I would encourage everyone to have a look at the trailer for this, Sherlock Holmes, The Awakened, and and have a look because there was a lot in that trailer that when I saw it, I don't know anything about the original game, never mm. played it, never even knew anything about it. But when I was looking at the the trailer for this one, it actually looked really, really cool. And mm. um, there was a lot like... Uh, there was sort of like a, a piece that looked like, like a skill tree, but he was piecing the clues together from the case to work out what's going on and it almost looked like it was sort of inside his brain almost mm. like it was i don't know it just looked really really cool and um yeah it kind of looks like a bit of an open world type thing and uh yeah so i reckon keep keep an eye out on that and you know if this is if this is a remaster of a remaster it's probably uh, not going to retail for full tote odds which is uh which is a good thing. So mm. probably make it a little more enticing to uh, pick up on the on the re-release. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. Keep keep your eyes peeled for Sherlock Holmes: The Awakened. And it's out soon. What was the date you said? Beginning of uh, April. Eleventh of April. Yeah. So we're still still a couple of weeks away. But yeah, not uh, too far. Not too far. Not too far at all. Go and check it out. Now this week, of course, we saw the release of the the much anticipated. Diablo for open beta from Activision <laughs> Blizzard. And I would say everyone here in the DG crew uh, jumped into that open beta. We downloaded the game. I played it on PS5. I think uh, C-Mac and Steely did the same. Would that be correct, Steely? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that is correct. And yeah, yep. Fergus... Didn't play Fergus- it on Nintendo Switch, that's for sure. <laughs> Fergus Fergamon Hamilton uh, played on PC, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, so we, we we got a a couple of different perspectives on on the game, and uh, <laughs> I tell you what, let's let's throw over to you, Ferg. I know you've been uh, pretty keen to mm. to chat about this one. So, do you want to lead off? The discussion about uh, Diablo 4 and your experience with the open beta. Let's do it. All right. So my first impression. So I'll set the premise that, like you said, I played on PC. I think I played probably about seven or eight hours in the end and got to level 20, finished the first act. Um, And I'm someone, I think I mentioned it on the last episode, who played a shit ton of Diablo 2 back in the day. Mm. Barely even touched Diablo 3. So I'm sort of going in with, I don't know maybe 20 years in between cracks at this game. So, so you could say you're going in fairly dry on this pretty, one. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. I mean, yeah, that's probably a good No lube at all. No lube. Just, just straight in. Going in. Yeah. Just going in hard. Impressive cock. No lube. Um, yeah, so, and I only played one of the classes. I think there was three out of the five that are maybe available to play in the beta, but I just played the, the Barbarian. Okay. Um, and interestingly, after customizing it, he looked very similar to Kratos unintentionally, but that was kind of a bit of an odd thing seeing him in all the cutscenes, this bearded Kratos looking character who was like super staunch and, and whatever. So that was pretty funny. But yeah, nice. first impressions. Um, Diablo 4 beta, I'll be honest. I was pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed this. I didn't think I was going to hate it, but I didn't think I was going to be having as much fun as what I did. So, um, obviously, a lot has probably changed between Diablo 2, 3, and 4, but it it just had this level of familiarity. Um, you're just playing, and it's just uniquely Diablo and Blizzard. You can just tell you're playing a Diablo Blizzard game, and I'd nearly liken it to putting on an old pair of pants. It's just, it was so familiar. 
you know, going through dungeons, just hacking and slashing everything to pieces, then going back to town and basically pawning off all your loot and just rinse and repeat. So, yeah, lot first impression, a lot of familiarity with what I remember of the game. Um, another thing which I thought was at unbelievable, the somatics, cinematics rather, were insane. Like that opening scene that you start yeah. off with was just something else like... They've always been known, Blizzard, you think about StarCraft and WarCraft and all those games, always had great sort of cutscenes, but these were on another level. And it wasn't just, you know, the opening of the game. There was different um, story pieces where it would stop and zoom out and you get the full thing. And I just thought they were really well done. Um, sounds fantastic. Voice acting, great. Um, controls felt really good. Snappy, responsive. Um, a lot of fun. Um, probably... You know, obviously, and I'm really interested to see what the enthusiasts say about this, but I don't remember too, and I, I think this is new for the game. There's a lot of MMO um, sort of content being chucked into this, which I think is new for the franchise. So, um, obviously, that there's pros and cons with, you know, MMO type things. I think the first time I came across it, I went into a town and I was talking to a vendor and they were basically saying, trade in these this currency for stuff and it was earned and there was a thing saying you earn this by doing community events or something like that so i'm like oh here we go this is some kind of mmo hybrid game thing going on so we are getting getting served up a fair slice of the uh, live service pie so absolutely so obviously mmos there's pros you know it's community it was it's cool to run around and see other real life players sort of in the town and doing things and coming across them and slaying um, enemies together that's pretty cool coming across them hey <laughs> <laughs> MMOs obviously lend themselves <laughs> to things like clans and, and the community aspects and stuff like that. Um, you know, with this stuff, they're obviously they're talking about a battle pass, what that looks like, good or bad. It sort of means that they can consistently, I don't know, support the game for a long period of time. There's opportunities to have, you know, online events, community things, just to keep the game, I don't know, sort of refreshing after a certain amount of time. Obviously, the cons with an MMO, obviously the O in, you know, MMO RPG stands for online. So, if your internet drops out, if you get disconnected to a Blizzard server or if they're down, you can't play the game. And that actually happened a couple of times. I was sort of halfway through a, a dungeon and just bugged out on the Blizzard servers and got kicked back back to the main screen. And then by the time I loaded back in, I'd sort of lost half the progress on, on a dungeon. So, that stuff is sort of the drawback. Um and you just get that, I don't know, it's sort of like really bad ping. Your character's sort of chopping around the place and it's obviously something to do with connection to the, um, the sewer, so the server. So, I don't know. We'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out when the game goes live. And, yeah, I, I didn't do too much reading on it, but I'd be interested to see what the actual diehard fans think of that kind of transition in the game. But, look, overall, I had a lot of fun. And if I wasn't in a year where I was trying to go the whole year without spending any games on money spending any money on games rather i reckon this would be one i'd definitely be looking at picking up um yeah like i said first impressions i was sort of yeah a bit blown away by how much i actually enjoyed it and how much fun i had so gets okay. a tick from me all right um, all gold is required yeah um well <laughs> uh did you share the experience jb well uh, all right so i opted to start the game as the necromancer class um, just because that's that's one that I had played before Diablo 2. Um, so obviously, you know, you're cruising through, you can summon skeletons to sort of fight for you. 
And uh, like I, I even picked the difficulty option to make it a little bit harder, um, just to sort of give myself a bit more of a challenge. Mm. And through most of most of the game, unless I was fighting a boss, those skeletons just fucking tore through everything. Like I barely had to fight anything, and they just smashed the living shit out of everything. And I don't think even once one of those skeletons like died. I didn't have to resummon a skeleton again. So I'm a bit, uh, you know, unsure about whether the the balance is right about you know how much damage they do versus uh, how how long they last and all that sort of thing. Um, I also had some some pretty interesting sort of graphical glitches as well. So after completing a mission and going back through the town portal, suddenly all my skeletons were like just glitching in and out of the level. Like they were just sort of like almost like flashing on the screen. They 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 were completely fucked. Uh, I don't know what happened to them, but um, but yeah, that uh, that sort of uh, wigged out a bit. But um, my my first impressions absolutely loved the cinematics and wouldn't have expected anything less from Blizzard because they they always knock it out of the park with their cinematics. They're amazing. Like they should literally be making full movies like mm. at that level of quality. And uh, you know certainly the the initial emergence of Lilith into the into the world and everything was quite quite shocking and frightening and, and mm. very much up there with like uh, uh, like Stranger Things or something like that. You know, it was getting very Stranger Things vibes from, from that whole thing. Maybe like cross between Stranger Things and Supernatural or something like that. But uh, that was that was really cool and, um, and everything. But then, yeah, like once you sort of dropped in the world there, it's the snow, it's the heavy snow and you're sort of trudging through all of that. Um, in a very short space of time, I started to feel like it was a bit grindy, and like you, you're going along, you're picking up loot. Oh, you know, is this bit of loot better than my last bit? Oh, yeah, these these shoes are two points better. I'll, I'll chuck them on, and you know, um, and so there was there's a lot of that. I did a couple of the dungeons, fought off one of the one of the bosses, um, but yeah, I'm I'm saying i didn't feel like it really resonated with me um and it could just be that the fact that it was in open beta but um yeah i i probably played it for about three hours i reckon maybe so granted not as long as you did ferg but um after that time there was there was not a great deal that sort of brought me in that left me hungry for for more like Mm. at this stage I, I'm not planning on buying it day one. I might <clears throat> consider buying it when it goes on sale at some point in the future, but um, I'm going to say it's a swing and a miss for Activision Blizzard on uh, for from my point of view. <clears throat> uh, C-Mac and Simon, what what were your thoughts on mm. uh, Diablo yeah, 4? Yeah, guys. <laughs> so, well, so, well, can I do my thought? I, didn't you... even, I just watched you play it for... A very small amount of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it's not my thing. But um the cinematics at the beginning, I even I said to Simon, Christ, that was horrid. It was mm-hmm. I had the I had the, my nose <clears throat> screwed up the whole time. 
and I was like, yeah, that was pretty cool, but wow, that was disgusting. Like, it made me feel, I can't believe how amazing it looked. It was incredible. Mm. But then, yeah, when the game started, I was like, nah, I, I just, I'd rather just watch a movie of the, the beginning bit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, please strap yourself in for Simon's um, uh, uh, thoughts on the small amount of time that he played. So, um, so guys, I played it. I played it. <laughs> I told you I would. Mm, I told you yeah. I would, didn't I? Man, didn't I, guys? I told you. Yeah. Well, um, and well look, done. listen to me here now. I decided to write an acrostic poem about how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> please, all I ask is that you take this seriously. Don't. It's not meant to be funny. It's very much from the heart. I spend a lot of time on this, and I want you guys to just hear me the fuck out on this one, okay? Just listen to me now. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay, here we go. D is for dumb fucking game. <laughs> I is for I wish I didn't waste my time on this piece of shit game. Thank goodness I didn't waste my money on it. Lame. <laughs> A is for always online, running in a straight line, lagging and being pushed a metre to the left. Hmm. B is for bored out of my fucking skin. Gull. When the only <laughs> exciting part of this beta was the cinematic intro, which I think is something that has resonated with everybody here, the cinematic intro being the best part of our experience, apart from maybe Ferg, who seems, I don't know, I just don't know what country you're living in, Ferg. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, I love you, but anyway, L. L is for Lilith, is terrifying. I mm. loved that mm. part. That was really Definitely. good. Oh, is for, oh my god, I really don't think this style of game has aged well when there are games like God of War that revolutionise the series from a top-down adventure hack and slash to a third-person adventure that arguably took the game into the 21st century and refreshed the franchise. Four is for four other things I'd rather do than invest (laughs) in this pathetic live service experience here we go. One, force Zenobia's gobstones down the eye of my penis. <laughs> fum, 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 fum. All of them. Two, eat a box of Birdie Bot's beans that are all Vindaloo-induced diarrhea flavor. <laughs> Three, play the... <clears throat> Three, play the Nintendo Switch version of Hogwarts Legacy. And four, play a <laughs> VR game called Ubisoft Employee Simulator 5. It's all your fault edition HD remaster. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's yeah. what I had to think <laughs> about. <laughs> well, we've now, got some polarizing look, views just... <laughs> on this one, haven't we? Every, every yeah, end well, of the spectrum. Let's... <clears throat> this is the thing, right? All of us have said, "How good was that cinematic?" Mm. And it was, and it was, it was fantastic. The acting was great. the The animation was just uh, like probably some of the best that I've seen to date. It was fantastic. Um, but this, keep in mind though, this is not an in-game animation. So that's a, no. that's the first thing to think about, right? So, I mean. I can say that it's one of the best animations that I've seen, but I think as far as in-game animation goes, there has been better everywhere. Where, um, yeah, by I, a long shot. 
I'll have to second this... you on that, Steely. The in-game cinematics yeah. that were rendered in the engine looked shit. They looked terrible on PS5. I don't know yeah. if if it's just because it's in beta or whether they're going to be improved, but it reminded me of like Warcraft 3. It's like they were still they're still back in that time, you know. And whilst yeah. Warcraft 3 was a great game and good for its time and everything, fucking hell, the world has moved on. We're we're in a next-gen console world now for console players. I, I don't know it. whether whether it looked better on PC, like whether you could sort of dial up the the quality settings a bit, but I also read online that uh, Diablo 4 was causing GPUs to overheat mm. uh, all over the place. They were having genuine sort of issues with this uh, causing GPUs to overheat. And I'm looking at the graphic quality and thinking, well, I can't fucking understand how that could possibly be the case because, uh, you know, you, you must have a potato maybe. instead of a graphics card in your mm. computer. If uh, maybe, the, maybe, the, maybe the GPUs, JV, were just getting so fucking angry that they had to run this piece of shit for a couple of hours for people to play this darn beta on it uh oh, i tell you i look i've probably played it the le- the least amount out of all of you i reckon i think i gave it half an hour and i that's when i that's the, the point where i went this has not grabbed me i'm bored i'm out mm. um I, I went down to the first bit i fought the first thing i fought the first big boss um and i i just shot him with my crossbow until he was dead and i stood in one place and shot the dogs that ran after me um until they were dead i played as a rogue by the way i played as a rogue and then i got my crossbow out and i was shooting and all that kind of stuff and then um i i shot him until he was dead and i walked out and i just went no i can't do this anymore like i, mm. I can't this is just i <clears throat> i'm actually bored to tears i was laying on the couch going I'm doing this purely because I feel like I need to, so I can talk to you guys about it. And I just didn't like, you know what I mean? Like I was expecting for myself to go into it and go, Oh, you know what? I actually might love this, but Mm. nothing about an always online live service Diablo adventure makes me excited. And then playing it in the flesh made me even less excited. It's, it's about a, I'd reckon I'd give that game a solid three, out of 10 now <laughs> and i don't even have to play the whole fucking thing i'm telling you it's a three out of ten do we think it's the okay. the type <laughs> emotional damage do we think for you steely it's more around the type of game that it is as opposed to diablo itself is it just because it's a hack and slash and you well, just don't resonate with these these type of games or n- not necessarily like i don't know i look i played a bit of diablo 3 and i for a lot of the parts that I did play Diablo 3, I didn't finish it. I enjoyed it for more time than what I mm. did this game. I enjoyed it for maybe a good couple of hours more. Like, uh, I think we played, I reckon we played maybe 10, 15 hours of Diablo 3. Mm. We played together. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was good. And I was like, yeah, this is really great. And then I got to that point and I was like, is this is this just the whole game? Am I just doing, am I going in this dungeon I'm going to kill this thing. I'm going to kill this thing. It's even harder now. And then that's it. And that's just all I do. Um, and basically, yeah, I mean, that that was it. And mm. I just thought to myself, um, this, this isn't a grabbing experience. You know, there's not any kind of fun puzzles for me to, to solve. There's no 
um, story that I actually care about. Oh, the devil's come, fucking kill it. You know, like, I just, I find it to be a little bit, I, I just think the world's, like what JB said, the world's moved on a bit, yet Activision Blizzard in this regard or Blizzard themselves just haven't moved on with this game. It feels like that all it's doing is maybe trying to capture the market of people people like you Ferg, who haven't played since Diablo 2 and think fuck I'm going to give this a go now and and uh sort of recapturing because like you said it feels like an old pair of jeans but for me that old pair of pants or old pair of jeans there's holes everywhere in it they're virtually unwearable like <laughs> you might as well turn them into shorts and call it a day you know it's and that's why I cut it at the knees and I and I stopped I just couldn't do it anymore Diablo 4 fuck yeah is what I have to say about that <laughs> okay yeah, well, the balls each to their own. Actually, on PC, I thought it actually looked quite good. As you know, as far as the stuff that's happening in front of your eyes, the screen, like the character models moving around, not that great. But in some of the dungeons, the stuff that was happening in the background was it looked awesome. And there were some really interesting sort of dungeons you move into later on in the beta, which I thought was super cool. But I don't know. We'll see. I I think I can't remember anything about the story in Diablo Two. I think Diablo Four they've sort of made that a bit more interesting. I think they've got a super scary type villain that's come in but you know early on you i think what are the the local townspeople feed you her blood in the form of these blood petals and then you go to the pub and then you end up getting shipped off to the local butcher and there's a lot of dark gnarly type content as far as the story that sort of is unfolding and just the presence that this lilith is having on the on the population so i thought some of that stuff was pretty interesting but yeah again even the uh, the cinematic when you go into the church, mm. um, and uh, you know you sort of have that flashback to what's what's going on in this town, mm. which uh, most unfortunately my nine year old was in the kitchen uh, cooking and and looked <laughs> oh, over no. her shoulder and watched that entire uh, cinematic as it unfolded, which <gasps> uh, uh, yes got me into a little bit of trouble with uh, with my wife, but um, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully she won't have nightmares about uh, a, a, priest, a priest being brutally murdered by his uh, <laughs> congregation uh, later tonight. Oh, um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, bearing in mind this is still an open beta, it's not the, the final finished product, I, I'll give it a little bit of leeway. But, yeah, at this stage I can't see myself parting with uh, $100 plus dollars on, uh, on this mm. title uh, particularly, you know, on uh, PlayStation Five, yeah. I just don't think it looked next gen. It didn't particularly grab me, and mm. uh, yeah. But I think, I mean, it's the beta, yes, but it's coming out in a couple of months. Like, it's not going to change that much. I wouldn't have thought they're going to iron out a few things. But if you weren't having fun in the first three hours, JB, I don't think it's going to be any different. And if mm. Simo didn't have more any fun in the first hour, then I think at all, yeah, at all. Whereas you know, I played it and saw it enough to be like, I think I'd I'd like this game if I spent more hours in it. So, yeah, well, I, I'm really interested to see what the critics think of it, but I'm I'm interested to see what the hardcore Diablo fan thinks about these MMO additions to the game. I think it's going to be a bit of a polarizing split between the two. Well, on, on that note, uh, just putting it out there to the DG crew, what do we think? It's going to score on Metacritic. If we had to make a prediction right now, what uh, what are we thinking? I mean, I, I haven't looked to see if there is a Metacritic score up there at the moment. Uh, quite possibly is, given that a lot of people have been uh, sort of playing this with it under early access. But um, what what do we think? Where, where do we think it's going to fall? 
I reckon it's going to be a tale of two stories. I reckon the critics are going to give it an 85. And I reckon that the user score is going to be like three. I reckon a lot of people are going to be really butthurt about the MMO stuff and they'll just trash the scores. That's what I reckon. But I reckon the critic score will be decent. I'll say 85. Okay. Steely, uh, what, you. what are if your I, thoughts? If, if I was like Ferg and I was thrown out of a dungeon because I went offline halfway through and then I had to go back in, into it, I would have instantly been on the phone to Blizzard saying, I hope that this game suffers in its own urine and <laughs> dies in the ass and then say good luck to for you in the future it would be I, I think ferg's right i think it's going to be a tale of uh two two cities or whatever ferg just really. um, so it'll be like you know there, there'll be the critics that give it a really great score because you know they get free wi-fi at work and then they'll <laughs> and they'll be uh you know Peek down the corner who's like, well, this is fucked because I'm running on IINet's bloody slowest MBN plan and it's not working this month and I can't play it and I've just shelved out $100 for this dumpster fire. So <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. I reckon it will be probably like a 75. That's me being really optimistic about it. I would want to give it a two, but I, I just said three. <laughs> so let's go three. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to two, two different scores. Nah, but I'll say I'll say eighty. Probably to the middle ground. What do you reckon, JB? Yeah, um, it's hard to know. I reckon. Uh, I reckon it'll be sub eighty. I reckon seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. Yeah, I mean, again, Diablo three wasn't without its its own. Uh, controversy when it launched, you mm. know, it was it was a bit uh, uh, a bit all over the shop. And uh, look, I I just really don't think they've changed up the formula enough mm. to to push this one much higher. Like uh, I think they're going to really suffer in the in the review scores based on the fact that yeah, it really is just the same hack and slash uh, action role playing game that it was. 20 years ago, really. Mm. Um, and it's what it is. Mm. I mean... Uh, Same shit, different demon, am I right? Well, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, well... Nice one, Steely. Yeah, thanks thanks very much. Uh, and uh, listeners, if if you've had a, a different experience playing the Diablo 4 uh, open beta, certainly shoot us a message on Facebook. We'd love to hear... Uh, a bit of a point and counterpoint on that one and see if uh, see if maybe you guys uh, enjoyed it, guys and girls, obviously. All right, well, now I'll throw over to you, Ferg, for uh, your news coverage for this week. Right, OJB. It started off the week as a bit of a rumour, but there's a full-blown story and announcement that's come off the back of that, and that is, look out, guys, there might be a new rival for bloody Mario Kart. So, I've got an article I'm going to read from from Press Start by Kieran the Bruges. Um, Lego 2K Drive is an open-world racing adventure that's coming surprisingly soon. So, after its existence leaked earlier in the week, Lego 2K and developer Visual Concepts have officially lifted the lid on Lego 2 Drive, 2K Drive, rather, an open-world driving adventure game that's launching sooner than you might have thought. Headed to the PS5, PS4, Xbox Series XS, Xbox One, Switch, and PC as soon as May 19th. We will, and sorry, 
Lego 2K Drive will reportedly be a deep AAA experience bringing the Lego world to life with stunning visuals and unique racing gameplay. It's set to feature a vast open world for players to explore with numerous unique areas to drive through, races, collectibles, things to destroy, recognisable Lego vehicles, mini-games and challenges to overcome on the way to be the winner of the converted Sky Cup trophy. Races will be high-octane events with plenty of power-ups to keep things interesting as players race AI opponents or dive into both co-op and co-op local and online multiplayer. Of course, being Lego, it's also got some great-looking customization options on offer, including a thousand unique Lego pieces to find and unlock through the adventure and the use to create custom vehicles. So, what do we reckon? Did anyone play, before I ask for if anyone's seen the news and got any thoughts on it, did anyone play Lego Racer back in the day? I think that game came out in 1999, I think it was. It was on Nintendo 64, but it was on PC as well, which I played it, which was a fantastic kart version, Lego. Um, and you could basically build your own cars and do all sorts of stuff. Um, I don't know if anyone played that, but does anyone have any thoughts on what a Lego racing game might look like? Do you think that might be a winner? Yeah, well, it's an interesting one, Ferg. I think, uh, you know, I think it could be could be a good one. I mean, I think... Um, <clears throat> Mario Kart's had a lot of a lot of uh, contenders try and uh, come up against it. I mean, you've had like a, a Sonic Racing, you've had a Crash Bandicoot Racer, you've had a lot of uh, different racing uh, sort of themed games that have that have tried to take down Mario Kart. Uh, can Lego be the ones to do it? Well, I'd have to I'd have to see what's what's on offer really mm. to to know for sure, but. Uh, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to give it a go. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Steely? Yeah. I didn't play Lego Racer back in the day, um, but I saw the trailer to this, and look, it reminds me of a few things. Um, my least favourite Burnout game, which was Burnout Paradise, um, Sonic uh, Racing Transformed or whatever it's called, where you can, in the drop of a hat, you fly and you be a boat and then you're a car and it just it happens all in one race. It was very similar to that. And then also like Mario Kart as well um, with some obviously, you know, nifty little Lego-like destruction elements in there. And look, it, it does look fun. Like, don't get me wrong, looks fun. Um, in my mind, the, the make or break of any racing game is how the cars control. Do they control fluidly? Uh, is it seamless? And and does it feel like you're in control like you are when you play Mario Kart? Or does it have, you know, are the, are the cars kind of, I don't know, like me for need for speed. I don't really like the, the driving and need for speed. And that's why I never thought it was a really good series to take Burnout out of the ring. Um, whereas Burnout's arcade-style racing, much like Mario Kart, it made you feel more in control and it, it was a lot more, I guess, tactical in a lot of ways. You could really go where you wanted to go in in, in a respect. It felt felt better. I, I, I think that's what will make or break it. Um, and also, obviously, the content that's involved. It looks like it will be really great. And, I mean, I, I know that you love the LEGO games, Ferg, so if it mm. has enough of the Le LEGO charm in it, it will probably win a few people over that are really into the Lego games, I think. But yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's probably a good thing to point out is obviously Lego's got <clears throat> licensing rights for all sorts of different franchises. So, 
you know, we're talking Harry Potter and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all this sort of stuff, Batman. So I'm wondering if that will lend itself to, you know, quite a few different characters that you might be able to, you know, drive cars as, you know. That might be an interesting thing. And obviously Lego, it's all about creation and making things. So whether or not you can, you know, make your own car and tweak it and then, I don't know, that that might be interesting. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll put a uh, watch this space sticker uh, on top of that one. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what uh, what comes out in the wash. All right, thanks for that, Ferg. Um, now we'll throw over to Steely for some Ubisoft news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Have Mothers, you seen this? lock you up your daughters, this? hey? <laughs> Have you have you seen it though? Um, Ubisoft. Oh dear, uh, <laughs> what's the world coming to? This week, this week, everyone, Ubisoft announced something that really it's left a very bad taste in my mouth. Um, preloading this announcement with a statement about how this is supposed to assist the writing process for the writers at Ubisoft for coming up with background scripts and dialogue for up and coming Ubisoft titles. They unveiled a trailer. Um, for their new artificial intelligence writing program aptly named Ghost Writer. Not mm. to be confused with Nicolas Cage's Ghost Writer, <laughs> although they do share some similarities. One, yeah, they are both really fucking bad ideas. <laughs> and two, they both sound the same when they're said by Christopher Walken. Get this. <laughs> A Ghost Writer? <laughs> Uh, yeah, can can confirm. Can confirm. So, I couldn't think of a second thing that it was similar to, so I just had to throw in Christopher Walken in there. Anyway, um, so Ubisoft, uh, uh, Ubisoft's supposed intention is to streamline the drafting process for writers, um, which in theory sounds good. Don't get me wrong; it actually kind the trailer for it makes it sound very. Um, uh, like a utopia for writers where they can just kind of go in there and draft things really quickly and come up with bits of dialogue on the fly and it will just make their life a lot easier. Um, you know, but when in the hands of a company that I, I think, uh, you know, that thinks that its employees are the problem, I mean, uh, mm. This doesn't just sound like a program that is designed to event- to to help people. It sounds like a program that's designed to lay off as mm. many writers as they can to make creating the games cheaper, um, you know, when that program becomes intelligent enough to do so. Mm. Um, but, yeah, if you can't read between the lines, then this is, wh- this is what I have to say. Um, y- you're a Ubisoft fuckboy if you, if you think that this <laughs> is just Ubisoft doing a really good thing. Well... Um, you heard it here but, first. Yeah. Emotional damage. What do you think? Bloody artificial intelligence writing, a, you know, a bloody a game. But mm. but this is like the side stuff. Like, oh, hey, hey, I heard that he was coming into town. Oh, did you? That's a, oh, my God. This is stuff that you can write in your sleep. And they're mm. wanting to program artificial intelligence to do it. Tell me, what do you think? Why is this happening? Uh, I mean... Like if we're gonna give we can, we can give some credit to Ubisoft by letting us in to see what they're doing behind the scenes, but like who in their marketing team is sitting there being like, you know, what promotional stuff should we give to the world to highlight some of the great stuff we're doing at Ubisoft? It's like, and this is what they come up with. Like I think they're just 
I mean, they they weren't were they not expecting that Steely was going to come across this new story and set them down in flames on the discerning game of podcasts? Like, if we're all thinking these things, then surely everyone else in the world is thinking like. On paper, it sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it's this really cool technology that'll help us streamline, you know, writing scripts for our games. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's a good look. If you were a, one of the the writers that were at Ubisoft and this stuff was going on, you'd be thinking, well, what? And they were they were very careful to try to, you know, it's not, you know, replacing our writers. It's basically giving them a, I don't know, a head start on whatever it is. But I don't know. I think it just seems a little bit silly. If they're doing it, fine. But I don't think yeah, they needed to tell us all about it. Whole thing. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, yeah. I don't know if you saw it, JB. Yeah. You got any thoughts? Anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, I I do, and uh, you know, I I'm I'm very suspicious about this whole uh, artificial intelligence coming along and and writing, you know, mm. games and writing code and writing all this stuff that yeah is potentially going to uh, put real people out of work, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is impressive what what uh, what artificial intelligence can uh, sort of churn out, um, but I just don't think it's at that level yet where it's really it really understands art artistic sort of you know activities um, mm-hmm. to the point where it's going to produce something that's really compelling for humans to watch. Yeah, and it didn't appear like it was like taking the writing to another level. It was basically just streamlining the same crap that they just dish up, dish up in every single game that you're just constantly spamming X to get through because you're not reading it, and you don't care. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I struggle to think what what are Ubisoft hoping to get out of showing the world this that they don't give enough of a fuck mm. about their games that they're not even getting real people to program them anymore. They're they're just handing it <laughs> off to half-baked fucking artificial intelligence uh, bots uh, to try and, uh, yeah, you know, ghostwriter. pad out the next lot of dialogue for Far Cry 7. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just not they a good might look. As well have, they might as well have come out and said, oh, hey, guys, all the team here at Ubisoft are getting lazier and lazier because we're not being paid enough. So we've come up with this fucking shit-ass artificial intelligence to write all the shit for our shitty games. Because that's you know that's where Ubisoft. That's just a bit of an accent for you, yeah. just to yeah. set the scene where Ubisoft is in the world. Thanks, thanks Steely. Nothing like a bit of uh, casual racism uh, just dropped into the pod. Uh... That was not. Right. I didn't. I didn't sit there saying, "And we're going to eat a baguette as we do it." You know, like fucking hell. Come on, We've you know. It, uh, yeah, well, they're in France. It reminds me of that episode yeah. of The Simpsons where. Mr. Burns has got like a hundred monkeys in a room at typewriters. Yeah, yeah with the it was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. You know, like stupid monkey. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> Jojo. I, th- I think uh, Ubisoft have got a similar room there, but just like rows of artificial intelligence yeah. bots churning out, for Jojo. Uh, churning out NPC dialogue uh, for for the next uh, big hit. Uh, it might serve through. as inspiration for their next game. This. Uh, Ghostwriter artificial intelligence, which just grows and grows and grows to the point that it basically takes the company hostage and has its own life. And yeah, that'll be the next news story. Ubisoft gets folded because their artificial <laughs> intelligence develops some kind of cognitive, cognitive thinking to take over the company and yeah. sell it on the stock market for zero point zero one cents. Well, they are about to uh, reveal the the change of company name from Ubisoft to Faro Robotics. So, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see what they come out with. Mm. All right, well, uh, thanks okay. for that, Steely. Moving uh, on. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. I've got more, everyone. I got all more. right. Yeah, oh. give it to us. Fucking hell. Now, you know I love a good leak. You know, up the mm. side of a tree at 3 a.m. when you're not on beat ears in and you've just phoned everyone in your contacts to tell them to get, get out of bed and to come to Rocket Bar with you. And, <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Mm. They've been coming left, right, and center this week for the Switch 2 and up-and-coming games for the new Switch, that's OG Switch. Now, I say the term leak, but it's more like it's more like this. Hey, guys, I'm a Nintendo YouTuber and there is no Nintendo news, so here's some fucking bullshit I made up that my mate said was true, and oh my god, uh, this and that and this, and and now I have content to upload. Now, don't get too excited, this is just a rumor, but we are definitely getting the following games. So, this is basically bullshit. Listen now. Now, here's what this is what's been making the rounds this week in the rumor mill. Um, now, don't invest in these rumors emotionally because they will only break your heart. I'm looking at you, Ferg. Mm. I know you have a fragile heart. So it's true. Here we go. Yeah. Number one, a Donkey Kong 3D open world game was in development for some time at Vicarious Visions. It was looking like an insanely promising project with a massive tick of approval by Miyamoto himself, and it would have seen Donkey Kong and Pals traversing an open world, sliding on tree trunks with bananas on DK's feet, and Pauline was set to play a big role in the game. This game then since had shifted development to Nintendo EPD2, a separate division from EPD who did Mario Odyssey, and now is set to be the biggest IP shakeup and revival since um, Breath of the Wild. Now, okay, 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 brief. Here's my hot take on this. This leak is bananas. Wow. <laughs> it seems, if it seems too, <laughs> it seems too good to be true. Are you trying a new catchphrase out, Steely? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Old Gwen Stefani over here. It is bananas. bananas. <laughs> the shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Yeah. Um, look, Fantastic. Here's number two. A leaker of mobile hardware was throwing their dick around on Twitter this week <laughs> saying that the new Switch was going to have a chip set in it built by Samsung and would be more powerful than the Steam Deck in handheld mode and as powerful as an Xbox Series S docked. Then wow. they then came out days later and said, whoops, oh, <laughs> sounds good, right? They came, they, came out days, <laughs> they came out days later and said, whoops, I fucked up. Forget everything I said that I just told you. Here's my hot take on this leak, everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is someone's dream. This reminds Mm. me of the hit film Inception. It's a dream within a dream within a dream. And Leonardo DiCaprio thought that he was bloody in the dream, then realized he wasn't because the spinning top stopped spinning. So, yeah, Inception, everyone. That's my hot take on this. It's not real. It's another leak that just turned out to be someone fucked up. Mm. All right. Mm. Here's my. Here's I can't my last talk one. right now. Now this is I'm my making piss. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Fresh, freshly downloaded. Um, now this is my favorite bogus leak of the week. Um, yeah. One of my favorite YouTubers, Nintendo Prime, who is legitimately one of the best video game journalists on YouTube pissed me off this week with this new story. Um, Mm. He was basically saying that he knows this for sure. And this is what really pissed me off about this. He knows this for sure. It's definitely happening. 
He's heard by multiple people this is happening. The next level games is bringing F-Zero GX remastered to Nintendo Switch. Now, hear me out. This is my hot take on this spicy wing. Listen for this. Next level games. We all know next level games. Luigi's Mansion 3. Um, you yeah, know, fantastic Mario game. Strikers just to, just been acquired by Nintendo. Um, so we we know who next level games are. Mm. Um, has no has never had any experience with either remastering games or fucking racing games. So so for this studio to be doing this would be like Jesus turning water into wine. It would be a fucking miracle. <laughs> Stained glass window, candelabras, eat my ass like a chupacabra. Show me where you're pissed from. Show me where you're pissed from. Oh no, J- JB's gone rogue Wait, on the sound bites again. Oh dear. That was amazing. <laughs> Look, people are so desperate for Nintendo news because the last half of the year is so up in the air that now, um, like I could come out on the show and say something like, oh, I heard from sources this week Nintendo's making a 3D open world earthbound game and it's a Switch 2 launch title. And people will just fucking believe it out of desperation to create content. Like they would mm-hmm. go viral because it's basically what's happened. A couple of people have said a couple of things and now all of a sudden it's gospel and it does my head in. I'm mm-hmm. all for speculation, but when these fairly reputable video game journos report on this shit, like it's fact, it does my head in. I'm not a journalist. I'm here to speculate and entertain and regurgitate news. And these ideas that people have dreamed up are fun, but I would take everything you hear over the next few months if you're a listener at home with a very heavy flake of Maldon because these content creators are desperate to create content. And that's mm-hmm. it. Um, now, this isn't news, by the way, this last bit that I've got to talk to you about. That wasn't, wasn't really news either. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was more about it. It was more a rant. Um, but I just wanted to <laughs> shout out to Oli Oli World. Um Look, I uh, I mentioned it in passing uh, one day on the show, and I've never played it. Went and downloaded it for free on the PlayStation Store before I was waiting for Chia to come out. And I'm having a blast. It's fantastic. If you like games like Trials Fusion mixed with Tony Hawk's, this is the game mm. for you. It's art styles in the same vein as Adventure Time, and the soundtrack is just lo-fi banger after banger after banger. It's great. And the story is really quite boring, and they let you skip all of it. So, yeah, I'm loving this. Mm. Get it now on PS Plus Deluxe. It's fantastic. Um, nice. All the Ollie world, everyone. Mm. Yeah, right. Excellent. Okay. Now, now you, you did mention there, of, um, Cheer. You, you mentioned the game yeah, Cheer. cheer. Uh, did, uh, did you get a chance during the week to uh, pull that one down and uh, have a little little slam Ooh. through that? Oh, did yeah. we? Ooh. Yeah, oh, yeah, tell cheer. us. Look, this game, this game is wholesome as fuck. <laughs> the amount, look, I, I have a lot of good stuff to say about this. I'm sure Casey will in a sec too. Um, the amount of sheer love pouring from this game. I mean, the creators thank you at the start of the game for playing at the start. Mm. They don't wait till the end until you collected everything. They're like, hey, thanks so much for playing this, blah, blah, blah. Um, they give you a bit of context into the world you're about to explore and the journey they went on to do it, um, which is amazing. And, and boy, do I love it. It's just joyful. The music is gorgeous. The story is interesting. Some of the cutscenes are pretty funny and quirky. And there's just so much to do, like from shooting galleries to races to playing music. 
It has some Ocarina of Time elements in there where songs you can play change time. Breath of the Wild, a little bit where you can climb anything and use a shade sail in almost the exact same way. And like Mario Odyssey's possession mechanic, I mean, fuck, there's even Ubisoft towers in this game um, that instead of being tied to unlocking the open world, it just shows you points of interest. And, uh, you know, it means that you can travel anywhere you want from the start, which is just, just licks me. Um, but the fact that this game is steeped in culture and community is a, is a huge part of what makes it such such a, a one-of-a-kind experience. I've never played anything that has been so closely based on a culture or um, the people in that culture. Or you can tell that there are maybe little stories about that culture that have been sprinkled throughout. Um, and it's a huge part of what I love about it. Um, I'm thoroughly impressed uh, with the dedication to the local region of the game, the voicing um is is voiced by local talent from the, mm. from the area from new caledonia which is just incredible it just immerses you in the game um even though it's not like a realistic looking game it's a cartoon like it, it but it transports you somewhere else regardless it has wind waker vibes doesn't big it? vibes yeah. yeah big time but i adore it i just adore the game it's fantastic you have yeah, to yeah i um i picked it up like simon played it two nights ago and i i played it last night and I, I get a bit overwhelmed when I get thrown into a game that sort of Simon was already quite a fair bit into it. I get a bit overwhelmed with the controls, but I found it very easy to jump straight in. So for someone that finds that sort of stuff tricky, to if I don't go through the tutorial myself, it was really fun and really easy because the way you sort of travel around the world is you won't give it away, would it? No. No, no. Yeah, the way you sort of travel around is you you soul possess things, and you can soul possess anything. So you can soul possess a rock, for example, and just roll around as a rock, and you can actually move quicker that way. Or soul possess a bird, which I like to do, and you know you've only got a limited amount of time, but then then you can fly wherever you want, or a deer, or or you know any any anything like, like a, a grasshopper, a, grasshopper, a, crab. a lizard, a crab. Yeah, you can do all these things, and it's not even just on land. You can go into the ocean and just yeah, it's it was very amazing this game, and it's not like stressful either because I've been, it's a few little stressful battle moments, but really it's just amazing to just just traverse the the landscape is um is beautiful and. Yeah, there's just a lot to collect and a lot to do, and I like that in these kinds of games where it's not just aimlessly wandering around doing nothing. And yeah, yeah like Simon said, the culture in this, it's I'm I'm learning stuff about the culture that, you know, and there's beautiful mu- music musical moments in it, and they don't even mm. force you to sort of interact with it. You can just sort of sit back and like just enjoy it and yeah. listen, or you, you can play, or you can play along. Yeah, or you yeah. can interact and play with it along with your ukulele. So. I'm really, really enjoying it to the point where I was so exhausted last night. All I wanted to do was sleep and we were up playing it too late. So <laughs> by that, I mean 9, 9.30. So yeah, yeah. we were Bloody very hell. tired oh. all the time. Late night. <laughs> Late night. Yeah, blood. Oh, we, we just, it was just a crazy <laughs> night. Lucky that Casey doesn't live at home. I would have been getting a phone call from the parents. <laughs> you sure would. Said, Where's my daughter? This is a pineapple nightmare. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, you're exactly oh, right. No. Pineapple nightmare. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I downloaded Cheer as well. Anybody else played this? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I brought it down and, and had a little look and... 
Um, as soon as, as soon as uh, my daughters saw it, they immediately stole the controller away from me and and jumped into it themselves. And and you know, immediately the game was yeah. very approachable for them. Like it really took very little, um, yeah. you know, for them to learn and and work out how to play the game and all of that. Um, like I, I heard a a an interview with the game director Phil Crefo during the week and he you know was talking about it and saying that he's from New Caledonia himself and right from the beginning they were they were setting out oh, wow. to make a a game that was very steeped in New Caledonian culture but also had game mechanics that that they were very interested in and this is their first real sort of crack at an open world game like their their previous title was was built and and you know put together by two people and now they're they're just starting <laughs> oh, to expand wow. their studio and and bring extra people in and they've teamed up with with another another group to help you know bring this one out and everything so for for a studio that really has has come from from you know a team of two people to bringing out something like this that's heavily featured in a PlayStation state of play and now you know is obviously available or for free for people who subscribe to the PlayStation Extra tiers, um, is is quite amazing for them. And uh, you know, good on them. I, it's I, I did have a little play of it myself. It, it didn't really vibe with me. It's just not quite in my wheelhouse. But yeah. that's not me saying it's a bad game by any stretch. Like the kids were loving it. Mm. It like oh, you said, sure. it's real wholesome. And you know, they yeah. were they were really enjoying like the musical elements where you're sitting there and you've got to play the dry leaves in time with the the little bars coming down and that. So there's a lot of love mm. that's been poured into this game. And uh, yeah, really, I hope hope for, for their sake that it does really well for them. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I might have to mm. download it and give it a go as well. Um, I've actually been to New Caledonia Yeah, before. I was saying to Simon <clears> actually <throat> that... Um, oh, have you? Yeah, yeah I was actually saying to Simon, it seems like it's something that you might like, Ferg. I don't know. What, yeah. Why was I saying that? Because you said that it, Casey said it looked like Dinkum, and so mm. she's yeah, basically looks- said that you're a graphics fuckboy, Ferg, and then just because it looks <laughs> like the other game, you didn't like it. Well, I yeah. love Dinkum, and it sounds like oh, there's a few okay. comparisons as far as, you know, Dinkum was developed by a singular guy, I'm pretty sure, so a small yeah. team mm. there as well, so... Yeah, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and the fact that it's free mm. for the deluxe tier PlayStation Plus users, there's, yeah, there's ex- nothing extra and deluxe. Yeah, there's no harm in just downloading and giving it a go. So, yep. might be a good one to even out the uh, you know demon slaying with a bit of wholesome, yeah, coconut leaf bit of playing a, bit tunes, of a palate cleanser. Yeah, uh, that's it, so to speak. I mean, <laughs> demons' blood. I'll go and yep. hang out in New Caledonia. <laughs> Yeah, jump into a banana. Oh, I've been, <laughs> oh, you can. You I've been can jumping, jumping back into, into uh, Fallout Four lately because I uh, downloaded the game of the year with all the the add-ons mm. for that. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm back in that well at the moment. I've got oh, nice. atom bomb baby uh, oh, rattling around in my head, head at the moment. Uh, you <laughs> know, singing singing it yeah. over and over. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, re- we, really good. Uh, we finally finished Hogwarts Legacy, didn't we? Finally, yeah. we decided no, no, enough's enough. <laughs> Yeah, just, get just it get done. Over and done with. Yeah, well, I think I'm there. Yeah. Ferg's there. Yeah, I um, finished it this weekend as well. So, yeah. Now, yeah. Well, now that it's done, it's like, yeah, put it on the on shelf. The never next. play it again. 
<laughs> on to the next. I might have to move on to, to cheer. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, let's uh, let's jump into this week's novelty segment. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so to kick things off, uh, I'm going to throw over to you, Ferg. Uh, this this week, our our main theme is a gaming character we'd like to have with us during an apocalypse. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was a bit of a head-scratcher, but I'm going to throw over to you, Ferg. Who who would you like to have with you from any video game during an apocalypse? Well, for this one, for me, it, this character came to my head straight away within the first 15 seconds of coming across the novelty segment topic for this week. Now, I've made the assumption that this apocalypse is a zombie apocalypse. Now, an apocalypse could, could be... be. You know, it could be anything. It could be like a fallout type apocalypse. But I, for mine, I'm assuming that it's a zombie apocalypse. So the character I would love to have by my side during this is none other than the uh, super soldier himself, Mr. Spartan, Master Chief. And there's three reasons why I'd love to have Master Chief by my side in the zombie apocalypse. So the first one. Tell us. The bloke's in a metal suit, you know. Zombies need to be able to get at your flesh in order to kill you and turn you into a zombie. So he's just a tin can walking around. They'd be uh, useless against him. Is it uh, generally accepted that zombies have human level strength or have they got super strength? Are they able to, you know, tear vehicles open, tear metal apart? Mm. Or is it generally accepted that they're just... I think they're just a regular amount of strength. Yeah, so they're not not enhanced strength. Regular not a super soldier type of strength. Yeah. So he could just walk around and sure they might overcome him, but they're not going to get through his metal suit. So I would just chill out at home and send him off to uh, run well, they, the errands, get me they, some food. They could still potentially do like the World War Z pile on. Uh, potentially. You know. Yeah, okay. But. Well, there's, there's his. So that's uh, the first one. He's got the, heel. the protective metal suit. Number two, this guy's got access to. And an amazing array of different weapons, including what I would think would be the number one zombie shredder. And that's the energy sword. Oh, Imagine having an en- energy sword in the zombie apocalypse. That would just be dispatching zombies just so easily. So, Master Chief with his energy, energy sword. sword and then probably... on Prime style. <clears throat> that's it. And then probably the main thing, like, it's no, it's no different. That's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's the joke there. <laughs> and number three, which it's I think a delivery joke, eh? yeah, so the delivery of the delivery joke is in the delivery. Ah, I see. Mm. Sometimes your uh, your Sorry. sense of humour wow. is, is above me, Steely. I can't keep up sometimes, mate. Very good. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> the third, the third reason why I'd have Master Chief. It's no different. If you're going for a new job, and you know, if I was doing a job interview for this position, and I said, Master Chief, I'm looking at your resume. What have you got here to? Uh, Prove to me that you'd be the man on the job. Look at his track record. He has so much experience with dealing with these uh, parasitic monsters. I mean, look at his work with the Flood. This guy's proven. Well, He's been there and he's done that. He has a track record. He's got the energy sword. He knows how to deal with these things and, you know, he's got a metal suit. So I'd I'd be going to war in the apocalypse with Mr. Master Chief. Well, fair or bloody enough. Um, thanks, Ferg. 
What about you, C-Mac? Who are you taking into the apocalypse with you? Yeah, well, mine's not quite as epic as Master Chief, but <laughs> that, that's like tier one. That's all right. Um, we'll see if we can epic it up for you. With... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've gone with Joel Miller from The Last of Us. Just because... Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> epic. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I've just been a bit obsessed ever since um, watching this show and, you know, obviously playing the game. I just think, I don't know, he's a really great guy. I feel like not only <laughs> would he help me a lot because I'm shit um, with with anything that makes my life threatened, um, you know, he'd give me that moral support as well. <laughs> it seems like he would be nice to me. <laughs> You might get a bit better conversation out of it. So, I was thinking more Master of the Chief. fact that singular yeah, man. Right. I was thinking more about the fact that a singular man travels halfway across America and doesn't die. Mm. But no, that's fine. He would be a really nice guy. Mm. <laughs> Are you sure you don't just want to take Pedro Pascal with you across the fucking <laughs> apocalypse? Because <laughs> he would be a really nice guy. And yeah, a really lovely guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, cool. Well, he's he's the guy um, you'd want to have with you if you heard that sound oh, uh, sure. around the corner, you know? That's exactly mm. right. Yeah. And he he kept Ellie alive. So why he's not? He's got a track I'll record. Yeah. He's got the track record <laughs> to back That's it mine. up. That's mine. <clears throat> he's got a good track record of keeping mm. people alive and he knows how to k- kill the. Kill the Fungus heads, so yeah. Yeah. So I put a lot of thought into it, like you did, Ferg. So mm. hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Very well done. Got the- He's a bad the man. Is. <laughs> he is. He, he is. He is. <laughs> you might get some better conversation out of Joel Miller than you would out of Master Chief. So whilst Master Chief is a bit of a, exactly a, right. a bit of an absolute machine and dispatching zombies is going to be no trouble for him those you know those long nights well, around the is... cup campfire when you're looking yeah. for a bit of empathetic conversation you're probably not going to get like you would with Joel. so it's, it's pros and cons yeah and this is exactly right it's not just about not just about surviving because what's the point mm. why why would you just want to survive you, you want to be able to live a bit too and if you can mm. have a good conversation with someone that's not infected why not mm. done Boom. <laughs> all right sold um that's it that's mine simo Who's the gaming character you would like to have with you during oh. an apocalypse? Tell us. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hold your horses. I'm going with... And so... Oh, that was... You know what? That's a very um, poignant horse, JB, because right. that might be the sound of Epona, because I've gone with Link from Ocarina of Time slash Majora's Mask. Nice. All right. Think about it. Talk us through it. Think about it. This motherfucker wins most of the battles he fights, hands down. Fucking killed Ganon. That's just the start of it. He's got a fucking time machine in the palm of his hand, you know? So he literally has the power to go back in time and prevent the apocalypse if he likes, much like a Majora's Mask. Mm. So here's what I'm thinking. I've lost my scarf one day. 
right? <laughs> I'm spending all my time just drinking milk down in the milk bar in town and I wouldn't have to lift a fucking finger. I love the fact that I can live my life while the world is going to shit and the only thing I have to worry about is the fact that my scarf has gone missing or something and and Link will just get it for me and save the world and that, that rocks. Well, Hard talks. You gotta, you gotta, listen, you gotta worry about the missing scarf and also uh, a certain someone else. <laughs> of course, uh, Gannon, <coughs> he Gannon ain't gonna North. do nothing to me. <laughs> He's got bigger fish to fry. Well, he's going to let me go and drink my milk. He doesn't care. Mm. Mm, he can absolutely. have my scarf if he wants. All right. Well, the uh, same. It's a nice take on it. I, I like the idea of <laughs> avoiding the apocalypse by just going back and solving it. Yeah. Maybe I should have picked Marty McFly. And he's I don't have to live in the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Play the song of time. But he's not a that's game it. character. He's a movie character. So. Yeah. Look it before you slip it, Ferg. You might have me on I a like technicality. He's been in video games before. Hmm. All right. Well, yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steely. Um, all right. Now, I'm going to throw this out there. I, I don't right. know if this is going to be a a popular one or not, but uh, I'm going to throw this out there. The video game character I would like to have with me during an apocalypse is none other than Dr. Ivor Robotnik. Now, go on. <laughs> now, think think about this. When he was banished on the mushroom planet with little more than mushrooms and sticks, he was able to build some pretty impressive <laughs> shit. Mm. Uh, yeah, he's he, very resourceful. He's very very resourceful. Uh during an apocalypse, I'm imagining him uh, capturing a whole bunch of uh, wild animals that you could eat in one of those large capsules with the big yellow button on the top, you know? So He's out there hunting, hunting, gathering, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's going to be plenty of shit to eat. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, he can he can build robot suits, flamethrowers, space stations, laser eyes. You name it. This guy's uh, able to fabricate it from, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever he's got. Mm. So uh, you want someone very resourceful that can build lots of stuff from very little. So Robotnik is the man. He's I the think. man. <laughs> uh, you know, what, what, do you, what do you reckon? What do you reckon, Simo? I just, I just hope that none of the zombies are, are extremely fast and wise cracking zombies. Otherwise, he's gone. Like, but other than that, it's flawless. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Doctor Robotnik, because you know, fast and wise cracking is Sonic the Hedgehog. So you know that's this. That's where I, it was a hedgehog joke. The delivery of the joke is in the delivery. It was anyway. It's just <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Taylor. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, thank you everyone for uh, for this week's uh, segment. <laughs> Yeah! Robotnik in the apocalypse. <laughs> and I hope none of the zombies are blue and fast. Or we're fucked. Sonic, guys. That was. <laughs> and, <we're> fucked. <laughs> uh, 
That brings us to the end of the Discerning Gamer podcast for another week. I would like to thank the DG crew as always, Simon Steely McLaughlin. Thank you, Steely. Oh, it's always a pleasure. I, I mean, not in a sexual way, but it's definitely <laughs> good to be here. Nice, calm. <laughs> and also, <laughs> Casey C. Mac McLaughlin. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Pisty. Please don't play that. Please don't play that soundbite for me. But thank you for having me. <laughs> Impressive cock. There we go. <laughs> you can have that one instead. And no, that was good. Was last good. but not least, uh, Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Thank you, Ferg. Thanks, JB. Always a pleasure, mate. And if you want to get in touch with us, drop us a line on the socials. Um, and you know, we'd love to love to hear from you. We know that uh, there's a few of you out there now, but uh, you know, be be good to get to know you. Uh, or drop us a five star review if you feel we deserve one on any of the podcast catches that you listen to us on. And we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. If you drop it, drop us a line and put some bait on it. I like squid, and because it, it, if you do drop us the line, and then it hooks me, and then and then up, and then I'm, I'm going up there, and, and then you can catch me like a fish. That, the, the fish joke is in the delivery of the dropping the line. It's in the drop of the line joke of the delivery.